Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Thank God for the cross. In fact, uh, if it weren't for the cross, we wouldn't have anything else to thank Him for, really, because we would be without hope. Amen? I mean, here's the truth. If there's someone here this morning, you say, well, and as far as I know, there's not, but if there's someone here this morning, say, well, you know, Brother Paul, actually, I'm of Israeli descent, and so I'm actually of the people of God, and so I have hope. Well, sort of. The Bible tells us that really in the law, we didn't have a whole lot of hope. The hope of the Jews was all predicated on one day when the cross would happen. They were just in God's waiting room, if you will, Abraham's bosom, waiting for the day that the Messiah would finally come and set them truly free. Say, well, you know, so here's the God's honest truth. If it weren't for the cross, none of us would have hope. But especially the Gentiles, which is us. I know we, we, we think a lot of America, and we should. You should, be, you should think a lot of your country. I believe it's the greatest country on earth. But America, we're just Gentiles. You know what the Bible calls us? Dogs. That's what we are. We're just dogs. Without hope, without a chance, but for the cross. Amen? Thank God for the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you all for that song this morning. Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm thankful for all the singing we've heard this morning. Amen? It, it's been very jesus Centric, And, and I, I just happen to believe when you come to God's house, you ought to talk about the Lord Jesus. Amen? We sang about that, that blood and how that Jesus paid it all. The, the children saying, no one else could do what He's done for me. And ain't that the truth? Amen? No one else could take the burdens from me. No one else could melt this heart of stone. It took Jesus and the blood He shed on Calvary. Amen? Thank God for His Son. Thank Him for the cross. And uh, I thank you for being here this morning. I said it before, but I'll say it again. I hope that you've come looking for something from God because we need to hear from God. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I know that we looked at these verses last week uh, and we're going to look again today at the will of God here in just a moment, but as I read these verses in Romans chapter 12, we're given some, I mean, we're given a whole lot in two verses. I mean, Paul really loaded down Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, and, and by Paul, I mean the Holy Spirit, really. Uh, loaded down those verses with some very, very important and powerful truths. And here's what Paul said. He said that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, I think it's interesting that he said our bodies. 
Because I think a lot of times when we think about God and we think about church, we think about our spirit, we think about our soul. Amen. That church is all about our soul, right? That eternal part of you, that, that your soul needs to be saved. Amen. But here's what Paul said. He said, you need to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, when you got saved, your soul is saved. Now, no matter what happens, if you have been saved, when you die, you'll go to heaven. Amen. But you still got this body. And I don't know about y'all, but mine really gets on my nerves sometimes. Especially when, I, when I've got a crick in my neck or, a, or a, you know, like Brother Cameron likes to make fun of me because I roll my ankles a lot. I've got bad ankles, apparently. You know, the, these things in my body that drive me crazy, you know, uh, some of us, we deal with, with, with pain. Some of us, we deal with, with other issues. My, my grandmother, for years, she's dealt with issues of being dizzy. She gets dizzy all the time. Just some equilibrium stuff in her head. Uh, and just, you know, our bodies are just constantly, a, really, they're just an annoyance, aren't they? The older you get, the more pains you have. The older you get, the, the more tired you are, and, and the less, you know, it seems like you just can't do as much as you used to do. You know, and your body is literally, it's actively fighting against you. Here's what Paul said, and you take that thing in your life that is an annoyance to you, that is a struggle for you, and the Bible also calls it your flesh, by the way, and you need to present that to God. As what? As a living sacrifice. Now, that's kind of an interesting thing because when the Jews thought about the sacrifice, it was all about something dying, right? When you think about sacrifice, it's about giving something, and it, once it's given, it's given and it's gone, right? They would bring that lamb and they would sacrifice it on the altar. But Paul said this, he said, in this new way in which we have been saved, we are now eternal beings in salvation, right? That we are, Our soul and will continue with God forever. While we're living on this earth, we need to give our bodies to God. Amen. There's a whole lot that can be said about that. But I'll say this. He said it is a living sacrifice. In other words, it's not a give it and it's gone. It means you give it today, and then tomorrow you give it again. And then the next day you give it again. And you take this body that is, you know, yours in a sense... Although Paul also tells us that we are bought with a price. Amen. Take this body that is yours, at least borrowed to yours, and you give it to God and you keep giving it to God. And Paul said this, it's your reasonable service. Re something that is reasonable is, oh, well, it makes sense. It's not too bad. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know what? I can, I can see that. and that, That's very reasonable of you. Very reasonable request. And God's request is that for the rest of your life, you give Him your Whole life. Here's the way I see a lot of Christians want to do it, though. They want to give God their eternity, but they do not want to give God their life. They want to give God from death onward, but they don't want to give God from now until death. Here's what Paul said. I, you need to give God your whole life, your body. He said it's a living sacrifice. And then he said this, he said, Holy. So what does it mean to give God a living sacrifice? Well, first of all, it means you need to take your body and you need to make it holy. What does that mean? It means you live right. Amen. It means you get the sin out. It means you get those things out that are unholy. Things that are holy are not unholy. That's real deep, isn't it? Things that are unholy are not holy. So what difference does it make? Well, look at it. It says, your body's a living sacrifice, holy, comma, acceptable unto God. You know what that means? If you want your sacrifice of your life to be accepted by God, it's got to be holy. Peter quotes the Lord, Be ye holy, for I am 
holy. God expects us to live a holy lifestyle. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that it may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now Paul has kind of already told us a little bit of God's will in verse number 1, hasn't he? God wants you to give Him your whole life, your body, body, mind, soul, and spirit. Give it to God, right? Give it to God and do it perpetually. As long as you live, give yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. That is His good and acceptable and perfect will, that we would please Him with our life, that we would follow His will, that we would give Him our lives. Last week we talked about the calling of God, and we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 3, how that God called Samuel out, and we talked about how that God wants us to cultivate a, a, a response that is both sudden and sensitive to His calling. That when He calls your name, when He calls you to the altar, when He tells you to do something or He speaks to you, that He wants you to respond now, and He wants you to be sensitive and to do as He asks, right? That is a part of living as a sacrifice to God. A living sacrifice is, God, when you want me to do something, I will do it. Amen. Because we are giving ourselves to God. We're not just giving our eternity to God, but we're giving, we're giving this present life. So many are fine with giving God heaven, but they don't want to give God earth. Turn your, take your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Paul uh, is writing to the church of Galatia. They're in Galatians chapter 5. And, and Galatians is such a full book. In chapter 5, he, he really, it's really split into a couple different parts. I guess you could say three, but we're going to look at two tonight, or this morning rather. We're going to look at a couple here, starting in verse number 16. I, I want to talk to you this morning. We talked about the call of God. Today I want to look at the course of God. That is the path that God has laid out uh, for every single believer. Now, if I were to say this morning, does God have a will for every individual and every Christian? Surely we'd all say amen. But I think sometimes when we think about that, we think about this great mystical thing, right? God has this big secret or this big grand design for your life. Now, I would say that is true. Amen. God has a grand design for your life. Whether in our eyes it is grand or small, it's all great in the eyes of God. He has a plan for you, something He wants to do with you specifically. But do you know where that grand design of God is found? It is found on the course of God, the path of God that is laid out for Every Christian, it's the same path. Now, God has certain things for each of us. He's a personal God. We talked last week what God had for Samuel. He did not have for someone else at the time. He wanted that for him. But there's some things that God has for everybody. There's some things that God expects all of His children to do. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, we're told that God expects all of us to present our bodies to Him a living sacrifice. And we're going to look in Galatians chapter 5. There are some things that God wants every Christian to do. And, you know, I think I mentioned last week a preacher by the name of Brother Lee Davis, who's going to be with the Lord now, made this statement that has never left me, which is that the will of God is not some great thing that you find. It is something that you live in. You are either in the will of God or you are outside of the will of God. Now, there may be some great calling in your life that God calls you to, and you may run from that. And you may get outside of God's will like that. You know, you might think of someone like Jonah. God came to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach to them. And Jonah fled from the will of God. Now that may be the case for some. 
But let me, let me submit this to you. You don't have to have some great revelation from God and rebel against that in order to be outside of God's will. It's actually quite easy to be outside of God's will. To be outside of God's will, you simply need to live outside of the course of life that He has laid out for every Christian. We're going to look at that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, 16 says this, For this, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Verse 18, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, God, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us this morning for just a few minutes. God, as we look at your word, God, we need to hear from you. God, we need to feel the power of your Spirit. God, we need to hear the voice from heaven speaking in our hearts. God, this morning, we need you to show us, Lord, how, Lord, that we need to walk in the Spirit. God, we need you to show us, God, how that we can live in your will. And God, how that we can obey the Word of God. And I pray this morning, please, help my heart. God, help my spirit. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost and give me the unction that I need to preach this message. God, empty me of anything in my mind or heart that might be a hindrance to this service and this hour. And God, please speak to the hearts of every man, woman, and young person here today, God, that needs so desperately to hear from heaven. God, we need you in this hour. Please meet with us. We love you. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. A lot is said in these verses, and I want to go through them quickly. First, I want to show you a simple direction is given in verse number 16. Paul said this, This then, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What that is, if you would, it is sort of a, uh, a thesis statement on the essay that Paul is about to give us concerning life. You want to know how to be in God's will. You want to know how to, uh, to defeat the, the, the sin and the flesh and the difficulties of life. It's very simple. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what he said? Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We see, a, a, we look in this chapter, we could go back, and in Paul, at the beginning, he says, this I say then. And when he says that, he's referring to what he's already said. And he's dealing with a group of people 
who are struggling with some things in their, in their church, in their lives. They're dealing with uh, scriptural inaccuracies. He's talking about those who have been deceived by false teachers. You can go back and read where he talks about liberty, and he talks about those who are using liberty as an occasion of the flesh. They're using the fact that we have individual soul liberty to then sin and follow after false doctrines and say, well, I can believe what I want to believe. Amen. But Paul defines for them what is truth in the Scripture, and he shows them that they need to get past these false doctrines and false beliefs that they have. Amen. Let me give you a false belief that most Christians have today. What I think or how I feel about something determines whether or not it is a sin. That's a lie. That's a bold-faced lie. In fact, you enjoying it, if anything, is possibly leaning toward it being a sin. You say, well, that's a real good idea. But you know what I find? My flesh likes a lot of stuff it ought not like. Like cheeseburgers. Amen. Amen. Any of y'all like cheeseburgers? You know what I find? That's probably not great to eat a lot of cheeseburgers, right? Sausage. Y'all like bacon? I mean, I got a good hearty amen on some of y'all like bacon. You know what they say about bacon? They say every piece of bacon, eat bacon you eat, it takes, what, an hour or a day off your life, something like that? Ain't that what they say? I'm like, that can't be right. I don't believe that. I choose to be willfully ignorant of that statement. Amen. I choose to. You know, there's things I like that are not good for me. The same thing is true concerning my flesh. It likes a lot of things that are not good for me. Amen. And how I feel about something really should not affect whether or not it's right or wrong. What should determine whether or not something is right or wrong? What thus saith the Word of God? Plus nothing, minus nothing. That's it. If it's biblical, it's true. So we see that. We see they had a scriptural action. They also had a sin issue. He talks to them in verse 6. He tells them, uh, back in verse 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh uh, by love. And then we see down in verse uh, number 13, he tells them, uh, Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. You know what that tells me? That tells me that these people were struggling with the sin of gossip and hating their brother. Right? He said, you want to live right and want to live with God, you've got to love one another. And then he said this, be careful if you're going to bite and devour one another. Take heed lest you be consumed one of another. So that church is dealing with the sin of gossip and discord in their church. Amen. There is no place for gossip and discord in God's house. There's no place for gossip and discord amongst God's people. When you think something ill or hateful about someone else, you know what you should just do? You shouldn't say it. Amen. You should not say it. Why am I saying that? Well, because the Bible says it. Now, we just said a second ago how we feel about something shouldn't change whether or not it's right or wrong. You know what Paul said? He said, the problem y'all have got, y'all really need help with is this. Y'all are talking bad about each other. And what's going to happen is you're going to consume one another. How often has it been said that the greatest problem for the church, the biggest enemy of the church, more often than not, is inside, not outside. That, that, that it cannot be the case in this church. Amen. We have got to love one another. That's what, that's what Paul's telling us. That's what the Lord Jesus, Paul's quoting the Lord, where he says, all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That is exactly what Jesus said to them when they asked him what the greatest commandment was. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. On this hangs all the law and the prophets, the Bible says. It's so important 
that Paul was writing to them. He said, now y'all got a major sin issue, and your major sin issue is you do not treat one another with love. Now, if he was asking them, do y'all love each other? I said, well, yeah, yeah, I love them. But have you been biting and devouring them? Because if you have, you've got a major sin issue. I want to show you something. We see a straightforward instruction. He tells them, after he says that, after he says, if you bite and devour one another, the very next verse says this, this I, if you bite and devour one another, take heed lest you be consumed one another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's what he's saying. If, you're, if you've got a problem with running down your brother and sister in Christ, running down the Sunday school teacher, running down the deacon, running down the preacher, running down sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, you are not walking in the Spirit. That's what he says, isn't it? Because if you were, you would not be fulfilling the lust of your flesh. Does your flesh ever make you want to talk bad about somebody? You ever hear some juicy bit of information? You ever hear something on somebody and, man, it's... Do you have an urge sometime to want to tell somebody? Little Tim, you ever, you ever felt that? You ever felt that? I should, I should tell somebody. Can I give you some encouragement? That ain't the spirit. That does, you, know what, you know what a lust is? When we hear that word lust, we, we automatically go toward carnal, sensual things. But that word lust is just a great desire. It's a deep want. Our flesh really wants to do things it should not do. And one of those things is tear down the brethren. If the devil can get us tearing one another down, he don't need to do anything else. Y'all are worried about the government. You're worried about the, the atheists. And you're worried about... The, them over here that are, that are marching in favor of this or marching in favor of that or they're posting this on social media or they're coming after you in this and they're coming out. Don't, they're not the ones who you really need to worry about. What you need to worry about is your flesh. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. And one of the best ways he can do it is by convincing the Christian, oh, I'm all right. Here's what Paul said. You want to defeat the flesh? You want to you overcome your sin? You're going to need to walk in the Spirit. Let me hurry Secondly, I want you to see a strong differentiation in verse 17. And this is something I think we also miss. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. Now, that's a capital S. So, and it's saying that the Spirit is, in a sense, lusting against the flesh. So we know that it cannot be saying that this is just simply a sin in itself. It's a desire. It's a great desire, right? Here's what he's saying. The wants of your flesh are against the wants of the Spirit. The wants of the Spirit are against the wants of your flesh. They're, we see their contrasted desires. What are saying? Literally, they want different things. That's just the way that it is. They are against each other in their desires. Philippians 3.17 said this, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Here's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about some people who are coming into the church claiming to be godly, but everything they want is of the flesh and not of the Spirit. Their desires, he said this, their God is what? Their belly. You know what I mean? It's what they want. Amen. And whatever they want, that's what they're going to get. And, that's what, and if it's not what they want, 
and how they want it, then bless God, they're not going to stand for it. You ever met anybody like that? Someone who is walking like that is not presenting their body as a sacrifice to God. Well, it's not what I wanted, it's not how I wanted, but you know what? It is, it, it, it is God, and I'm going to just submit to God, and I'm going to try to... Amen. Can y'all see that? We're talking about the course of the will of God. The will of God is in opposition to the will of your flesh. Well, I just really like this. I just really like... Yeah, I understand that, but here's what the Bible said. Your flesh's desires and the Holy Spirit's desires are contrary. That, that, that's why I cannot get behind a movement of church that desires to create a Frankenstein out of spiritual things and carnal things. Amen? Because they are different. And things that are different, I don't know if y'all know this, are not the same. And the Bible is very clearly telling us right here that the things that the Spirit wants and the things that the flesh wants, they're contrary. They're opposites. They're, they're enemies. Paul said, mark those that are following after their belly because they are not like us. They are enemies of the cross. That's what he said. They're enemies of the cross. They're, they're enemies of Jesus Christ. Enemies of the cross of Christ. We see their contrasted desires. We see their contrary dispositions. And we, we just read it here. It said that, they, that not only are their desires different, it said, and these are contrary the one to the other. They are going in opposite directions. They want different things. They cannot be in unison together. They're, they're just not the same. Romans chapter uh, number 8, verse 5 says this, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, listen to this, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now when he says they're in the flesh, it does not mean you are literally like you, you have flesh, because we all have flesh, and we can please God. What it means is this. It's what you're minded, right? To be carnally minded is death. A carnally minded person, a carnally minded person is the sort of person who wants things the way they want them. They're not interested in right or wrong. They're not interested in the church and what the church... You know, they're not interested in, in spiritual things. They're interested in what they want and what is pleasing to them. Because their God is their belly. Amen? A person who is spiritually minded is, has this mind. Let this mind be, be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. Which is what? Not my will. You don't know what the mind of Christ was? The Father, the Father, the Father. The Father's will. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. I've come to present my body as a sacrifice, the Father's will. That is to be spiritually minded. It is to mind spiritual things. It's to mind the Word of God. It's to mind the will of God. It's to mind spiritual things. To be carnally minded is, well, I want what I want, and I want it to be my way, and if it's not, then I'm going to let somebody know, and bless God, I'm going I'm to tear this thing from the ground up, and, and I'm going to do what I want, and no matter what that preacher says, I'm going to live like I want to live, no matter what the Bible says. I, you know what? I don't have to see it that way. I'm going to live my truth. My truth is a carnal mind, and the Bible says a carnal mind is what? Death. You're headed a one-way road for destruction. It's just a ticking clock in your life. And that's what the Bible's telling us right now. He said this, you, you want to overcome the sin of your flesh, you want to overcome the flesh, and, and, and all, here's what you got to do, you got to walk in the Spirit. He said the, the desires, the lusts of the Spirit, and, and the lusts of the flesh, and, and the desires of the Spirit, they are... They're not the same. 
In fact, they're against each other because they are contrary one to the other. And we see their, we're looking at their contrary dispositions. Then we see their countering. He said this, he said they're contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Truthfully, that goes both ways. If you are thinking in your mind, well, you know what? I, I want to live for God, but you're allowing your flesh to fulfill its lusts. You know what's going to happen? You're going to fail to live for God. And if you've been saved and you say, you know what? I just, you know what? I'm just done with, with church and I'm done with, with all this, 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 this church stuff and I don't have to go to church to serve God and I don't have to, I don't have to do things like that. I can live it my own way. You know what you're going to find out? That's not going to work either because there's still the Spirit in here. And when you go out there and you go back to drinking and you go back to uh, drugs, you go back to, to, to fornication, you go back to gossiping, you go back to hating, you go back to whatever that sin is that is in your life that's dragging you down, you're going to find out, you're going to find out you can't even do that and be happy anymore. Because now the Spirit's in here pulling in the other direction. You cannot serve two masters. And once you get saved, you've been bought. So guess what? From now on, whether you want to or not, you belong to God, you belong to the Holy Ghost, and you will never, ever find peace trying to live contrary to the Holy Spirit once He is living in you. Amen. We see a sharp decline in verse 18. And in the previous verses of the chapter, which we didn't read most of them, but down through verse 15, I told you that the biggest issues they were facing were false teaching and doctrines and gossiping, hating one another. But you know what Paul said? He said... Y'all need to start walking in the Spirit because if you don't, you're going to fulfill the lust of your flesh. And then he said this. He said in verse number 18, he said, or excuse me, let me, let me go back up a little bit here. Yeah, no, verse number 18, he said, if we be led of the Spirit, we're not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Here's what he said. You, wanna, you, don't, start, you don't start listening to the Holy Ghost and get away from listening to your flesh. These are the works of the flesh. Right now, you're just listening to lies. Right now, you're just letting that tongue rule your body. But if you keep going down that road, and you keep conforming to this world, as Paul said in Romans 12 too, you keep submitting to the lust of your flesh, these are the works of the flesh. This is what's going to be manifested in your life. That path of sin never starts down in verse number uh, 21 with murders. Right? You don't wake up one morning walking in the Spirit, living for God, doing good, walk outside and decide, you know what? I'm going to just become the worst thing that ever lived. No, what happens is you start with the small thing. But there is a sharp decline in the course of this world. The sharp decline starts with things like eh, listening to things, lies, people telling you things that aren't true, making you think bad things about God's people like they were trying to do to Paul, making you think bad things about the preacher or the Sunday school teacher, they, trying to make you think bad things about this and things about that, and, and then eventually it becomes the tongue, talking and wagging and biting and devouring. Here's what Paul said, the works of the flesh are these, and he begins to name off horrible things. Fornication, adultery, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, which is to say, etc. What you'll find out is that you're, you're going to end up going into places you never thought you'd go and doing things you never thought you'd do, and it's all going to happen because you refuse to walk in the Spirit now 
and you're dabbling in some things that maybe you think aren't so bad, but that is only going to increase unto more ungodliness. Romans 8.1, There is therefore no uh, condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. This is the way of the Spirit. Here's what Paul said. When you get saved, you're free from the law of sin and death. And what that's saying is this, that if we're under the law, sin and death is the only thing it's going to give us. Because we can never live up to it. Sin and death. Sin and death. But we're under grace. And under grace, you don't have to live like that. Under grace, sin hath no more dominion over you. We see that in the way of the Spirit. Then we see the works of the flesh is this. He said in 1 Timothy 2.16, shun, listen, shun profane and vain babblings. There's two major interpretations of what those things are. One is false doctrine. The other is gossiping. It's the two things he's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. Shun vain and profane babblings. Why? Read it. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Paul said in Galatians 5, right now you're just, you're just gossiping and tearing one another down. You're not loving one another like you're supposed to. You're just not happy and you're kind of causing issues and you're kind of just, just uh, you know, and then and you're, you're listening to things you shouldn't listen to and accepting false lies and false doctrines. But you understand something. If you don't cut that out, it's only going to increase into more ungodliness. And he starts naming stuff off. Adultery. Fornication, revelings, and murders. That's a sharp decline. I mean, we went from just talking. Here's the thing. He said these are the works of the flesh. The works of the, of the flesh, they are performed. It's something you take in your body and you do it. You perform it. You will find yourself doing things you never thought you'd do. Why? Because you just won't walk in the Spirit. The warning of these sins, he said, of, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, God's children have no business performing the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are the works of the lost. They're the works of the world. These are not the things that we're supposed to be doing. These are not the things that we're called to be doing. And Paul brings into consideration... I, when some of y'all are so eat up with the works of the flesh and I see no walk in the Spirit, I'm concerned about your place in heaven. Not that you're going to lose your salvation, but that your salvation might be a counterfeit conversion. Because those in heaven, this is not what they're doing. And here's, here's what he does. He, create, he, he then shows a spiritual distinction in verse 22 with the big word, big three-letter word, but. See that? But... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. For they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. There's a distinction in the source. Paul told us there in, in the previous verses, he said they were the works of the flesh, which tells us that those things, the fornication, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, all those things, the source where they come from is they come from where? They come from your flesh. The dirty, old, wicked flesh. That's where they come from. But then he said this, but now I'm talking about the fruit of the what? The Spirit. You see it there, the fruit of the capital S, Spirit. Where does that come from? That comes from God. That comes from the Holy Ghost. It is something beyond humanity. It is something beyond the power of your flesh. It is a spiritual thing. There's a, a distinction made. He's talking about a spiritual distinction in the source. Then we see a distinction not only in the source, but in the supply. Here's what he said. 
He called the flesh, those things, all those things He named. He said, these are the works of the flesh. I told you, the works of the flesh is something you do. You go and you do it. You take your hands and you perform it. Right? You're doing it with your flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is not something that is performed, it's something that is produced. It can only come from the Spirit. Do you know what that means? It means that Brooke, my wife Brooke, raised in church her whole life. From the time she was born, her dad was her pastor until we got married, and she's been, been in ministry as long as, as we've been married, you know. She's got all the right stuff, Brother Tim. She's heard all the right teaching. She, I want you I want y'all to get this now. Listen to me. She's heard all the right preaching. She's sung all the right songs. She knows a lot of Bible verses. She cannot love her brethren in the power of her flesh. They say, well, they're just brainwashed. It don't work. I don't know if y'all know this, but brainwashing don't work. Well, they just, they just tell them stuff and that don't work. You know why you've got so many people now departing from the church and departing from the faith? You've got kids who grew up in a, in a Christian home their whole life and then when, as soon as they hit adulthood, they're gone. You know why? Because the only thing they ever did is try to do the things we're talking about, which is love and joy and meeting. try to have joy in the Lord. They try to love one another and they try to be good to people and have peace all as a work of their flesh. but it just can't be done. So why can't I do it? Because it can't be done through the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Holy Spirit. If you have never truly been saved, you cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. You can't just get up and do it. Suck it up, buttercup, and live right and do right. If you've never been saved, you will only ever face defeat in trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit. The only way it can be produced is through the source of the Spirit and the supply of the Spirit. It cannot be done in your flesh. And we see a distinction for the saints in verse number 24. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lusts. It's interesting that Paul uses the word crucified the flesh in Galatians 5.24 in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he said we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And the sacrifice that Jesus paid, you know where he paid it? On the cross. So just as he paid his eternal sacrifice on the cross for us, we should then spiritually crucify our flesh to defeat what? The affections and lusts. That those things you want to do, that your flesh wants to do. I don't know if y'all know this. But when I got saved, my desire to do things that are not good did not disappear. Paul said, I die daily. That's why he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Those things you want to do, I'm not telling you you ought not want to do them. Because you know what? You can't help what you want to do. It's in there. It's an ungodly desire that is within our flesh. And what we've got to do is we've got to learn to tell our flesh No. In fact, a fruit of the Spirit is temperance. You know what that is? In a nutshell, self-control. The Bible tells us that because of the Holy Spirit, we can control our flesh in a way that a lost person cannot. Amen. Those of us who have the Spirit must overcome 
our flesh. We're talking about the course of God, which is the path that the Lord has for every child of God. Every person on earth has flesh. But not everybody on earth has the Spirit. Let me give you this last thing. We're done. The same direction defined. In verse number 16, he said this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 25, he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in comprehension, understanding. Understanding what? God's Word. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So often you got young people, you got adults, you got Christians saying, Brother Paul, you got uh, brother, brother Joe, Brother Tim, you know, they go to their pastor, they go to their Sunday school teacher, they go to their husband or their wife, and they say, I just can't seem to get victory over this sin in my life. I don't want to talk about people, but I just do. I don't want to do that thing, but I, I just keep doing it. Why can't I get victory over it? Let me ask you a question. Do you read your Bible? It's a simple question. And I, I'm not saying that as a, I'm not like, a, oh yeah, jab, you got them right there, didn't you? No, don't take me wrong. I'm asking you a simple question. When I go to the doctor and they take my blood and they check my blood sugar and my A1C is a little high, she says, have you been taking your medicine? Yes. Have you been eating a lot of sugar? Does it sting when she asks me if I've been eating well? Maybe a little bit. But it's a simple question. Why can't I cleanse my way? What well, the psalmist say, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He gives the question, and then he gives the prescription. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. How many times have we said that? How many times have we quoted that? How many times do we in Bible school stand and do the pledge to the Bible? I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God. We say it every year at BBS at least four times. Say, well, I just can't get victory over this sin in my life. I know I'm saved, Brother Paul, and you say the Spirit can help me. Why can't I get victory over my sin? Why am I different from everybody else? And, and why does it feel like I'm always losing? Do you read God's Word? Are you studying the Bible? No. Well, that's step number one. Step number one to defeating sin in your life is taking heed thereto unto His Word and hiding it in your heart. Young people, look up here. Y'all know it at, at, at all the camps y'all went to. They had you memorizing verses. You know why? Because they hate you. Is that why? No. Because they want you to get points and win. Is that why? No. It's because they want you to defeat sin in your life. And the only way you're going to defeat sin is by having a regular, daily relationship with the Bible. When, when the teens come into our Sunday school class, the first thing we always do before we get into the lesson, who's got their Bible with them? And they get a mark if they've got their Bible. Who's memorized their Bible verse for this week? And they get a mark if they've done it. You know why we're doing that? So you can defeat sin in your life. If, you, if, you're, if you're in a losing battle to sin, and you've got no relationship with God's Word in your Bible other than whatever you happen to hear during the preaching three times a week, if you're here in every service... There's no wonder 
you're losing. You're not walking in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit, you have to walk with comprehension of God's Word. You've got, you've got to read it. Well, it just, I'm just not a good reader. I'm just, it, it, find a way. Otherwise, you're never going to beat sin. It is, the, it is the number one step in defeating sin in your life. Secondly, we've got to walk considerately. We have to consider our God. And how do we do that? We do that in prayer. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. How do we acknowledge Him? Well, I just think about Him. Well, yeah, you do think about Him, but you've got to talk to Him. You've got to pray without ceasing. This church has heard enough preaching on prayer that we ought to be all prayer warriors by now. Right? Including me. We ought to all be prayer warriors by now. I mean, I know some of y'all are in other places on Wednesday night, but I mean 50 plus messages on prayer in a row. Surely to God, your prayer life has increased. If it's not, and you're losing to sin, well, I've got the reason. Do you have a relationship with your Bible? I'm talking about the course of God. We talk about the will of God. Brother Paul, what is the will of God for our church? What is, what is the vision God has for our church? You know what the vision God has for our church is? That every member and everyone sitting in the pew would read their Bible and pray. Until we've got that done, we are not in God's will as a church. Not just the preacher, and yes, the preacher, but not just the preacher, not just the Sunday school teacher. Amen. Not, not just the older folk, but all of us reading our Bible and praying. If you're not reading your Bible and praying and you're going, God, what is your will for me in my life? Well, I've got the answer. It's to read your Bible and pray. That is the course of God in your life. That is the first steps to walking in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the Spirit and not have a relationship with God's Word. You cannot walk in the Spirit and not have a life of prayer. You can't. And it is to walk circumspectly. And this is the point of, of the whole chapter we've been reading. That we're to walk, and when we are, we're, you know what to walk circumspectly means? It's talking about my weak ankles. Yesterday, we, were at, we had a, a little party for Peyton and Link, a birthday thing. And I was talking to somebody, I think you were sitting there, Cameron. I was talking about how I've been trying to exercise. You know, it's one of those things, those, those silly little things the doctors say you need to do if you want to be healthy, right? And get out and, well, I don't, I don't have a good way at like a gym nearby the house. And so what I do is I just get out and we've got about an acre of land and I literally walk and jog around it. Well, it's road, gravel for about three quarters, but then there's a spot of it there where I got to go in the grass. I run to the end of the grass and I turn, I go up the grass and I get back to the side of the road. And every time I do it, I think, God, it's today the day I slip in the hole here and break my ankle. And I'm, I'm looking down the whole way on the grass. Like, God, show me that show me that pothole, that new groundhog hole that I don't see. Lord, please don't let me break my leg. Trying, you know what I'm saying? That's walking circumspectly. Circumspectly means you're looking everywhere because there's danger afoot. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Isn't that what we always say? Isn't that what the Bible says? He wants to destroy you. Hey, parents, He wants to destroy your children so bad. He wants to rip your daughters and your sons out of the house of God and tear their life into shreds. Walking circumspectly means we're looking around. God, where's He at? Where's that stinking rabbit hole? Where's that snake in the tall grass? Where's that wolf in sheep's clothing that's trying to hurt me Hurt my husband, hurt my wife, hurt my children, 
hurt my church? Where is that trap? We're not ignorant of his devices. That's walking circumspectly. Here's what Paul's saying through this whole chapter. Walk in the Spirit, don't obey the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, don't obey the flesh. He's saying it over and over again. Y'all see it? So what is the course of God? The course of God is that you're in your Bible, and thereby you're equipped to overcome sin. You're in prayer, and you're considering the Lord that He would guide you and lead you and keep you away from sin and protect you, and then you are overcoming sin in your life by walking circumspectly. In Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 15, he said this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? That you walk circumspectly. Now this morning, I know it's Sunday morning. You're here. If I were to say, if you're saved, raise your hand. Most of you in here, I'm sure, would raise your hand. I've been saved, Brother Paul. And in a sense, I'm preaching to the choir. In a literal sense, some of you. But the fact stands, as far as I can tell, all of us have flesh. Paul, I want the will of God for my home. I want the will of God for my marriage. Whether you've been married 20, 30, 40 years, or if you've been married one or two or five or ten You need God's will in your home. I want the will of God for my home. I want the will of God for my marriage. I want the will of God for my children. I want the will of God for my work. We've we've had some prayer requests. I know Samantha's praying about God giving her the right career path out of college and and all these things. I know some of the others of you are praying about that too. And and it's good to pray about those things. God, I want that. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you in the course that God has laid out for every Christian? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you battling against the sin in your own personal life? Or are you letting sin have free reign? Let's be honest. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we just let sin have free reign in our lives. Yeah, I know I'll not be doing it, but you're on a... a, a steep incline. It's going to take you to things that are going to destroy you. It really is simple. The course of God for you is simple. The course of God for you, His will, it is simple. It's not a great mystical truth that you've got to go out on a walkabout in the wilderness to find. You just get in His way. You stay in His way. And like Brother Lee Davis said, you don't have to find God's will. You're living in it, and God will reveal His will to you. When that opportunity comes up in your life, and you say, God, is this your will? If you're walking in His will, He'll say, yeah, trust me. He'll take you where you need to go. Do you ever wonder why you struggle to love the brethren? Do you ever wonder why you struggle to have joy? Why you struggle to have, why you have no peace? Why you have so much trouble with with being long-suffering toward others, that you have such a short fuse and just snap, and you're not gentle. Do you wonder why you struggle with sin and you produce bad things in your life rather than goodness? Do you wonder why you're weak in your faith and your spirit is anything but meek and you have no self-control, no temperance? So why are you saying all these things? Because all those things are the fruit of the Spirit. And if you wonder, if today as I'm, as I'm describing these things and I'm, I'm saying, you know, you're meek, you're temperate, you're good, patient, long-suffering, and kind, and 
loving toward others, and you have joy in your heart. You say, that does not describe me. Well, there's one of two things going on. Either you have not the Spirit, and you have never been saved. If that's you, you need to be saved. Who cares? Some people coddle their false profession like it's the most precious thing in their life when a false profession is worth nothing. It's just a key to damnation. If you've never been saved, you need to be saved. In fact, you need to be saved today. Not tonight, not later, today. So, Brother Paul, that doesn't describe me. Well, number one, either you've never been saved, or number two, you are not walking in the Spirit. You do not read your Bible. You do not pray. You do not battle the sin in your life. And if, and if that is you, then can I tell you this morning, you'll never have victory until you wake up, crucify your flesh, present your body a living sacrifice to God, and walk in the Spirit. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.